heavy blow to the skull. This is not a test. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to TheDestralProds.com, movies and a television podcast. We still do this show, I promise. As always, I'm dead. Remember today we got Cave. Hi. And yeah, you know, you know, the rhythm, life, depression, it gets in the way. But we do have a whole shitload of stuff coming to you guys uh, in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that stuff. But. For now, let's talk about the movies and stuff we're watching. Woo! Cave. Uh, well, I'm going to start off with uh, Werewolf by Night, because we both watched that together, and, well. Oh, God. I Commentary track, has, yeah. Commentary track for that coming out soon. Disney has way too much money to be, like, going to Walmart to buy its weapon props. They didn't go to Walmart. They got them off Etsy. <laughs> Etsy puts out better quality than that shit. There, there's a price point, both too low and too high, that will put out something of that quality. <laughs> uh, but no, their their prop master should feel bad, because <laughs> man, it like a lot of the like a lot of the weapons that got screen time were either impossible or looked like the kind of thing that I would get to give to my nephew. In order to, uh, in order to like set them up for Halloween, like rounded edged axe, wrist crossbow that didn't seem to have a firing mechanism and was repeating. It did have a firing mechanism. It was the will of the user. Um, let's see what else did we have that was just a bit ludicrous. Oh, a flail? What? No modern combatant is using a flail. They don't even look that cool. Who used a flail? Uh, skinny bitch at the end when she was sword fighting Elsa. And she used it wrong, too. Um, <laughs> like, the only weapons that at all looked reasonable, like, as in, like, designed to, to actually be functional weapons were the taser staffs that the grunts had, the background characters, <laughs> and the fucking longsword blunderbuss combo. Like, those were the only weapons that actually looked like reasonable weapons. Uh, and the reason I'm starting off on the weapons is because the first time I watched this, I got drunk, and Birdie recorded, like, a five-minute clip of me ranting about the weapons and sent it to dead. Yep. And I think that's probably one of the first times you've actually gotten to see my face. <laughs> yeah. I, we don't talk. We don't, we, we don't do faces a whole lot around here. We just kind of talk. And yeah, that, that was, I believe the second time I'd seen your face. And one time it was cause I was fucking around with the webcam. <laughs> oh, sorry. Third time. I just, I just remember the webcam part. Yeah, because I believe one time before then, Birdie sent me a different video of you being mad and drunk at a TV show. Yeah, Birdie and I get drunk and watch shit. It's what happens. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, uh, for those 
curious as to why any of this matters to Cave. He, I am, I am a blacksmith. Yes, he is a he is an amateur blacksmith. I am a proud tall dwarf. Yeah, I, I didn't have an issue with the weapons. It's like handle. Hey, that hand, that handle looks stupid. Anyway. Meanwhile, I'm like, that's not comfortable to wield and wouldn't give you the proper grip strength that you need to kill someone. Yeah, I'm not the kind of guy who, like, counts bullets and says, hey, you're holding that gun wrong. I will say, hey, you're holding that gun wrong, but I just assume that all movie magazines have infinite bullets at this point. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just, oh, it's so, so many rounds. But you wouldn't assume, so many bullets but you wouldn't assume that the raised top of the wrist-mounted crossbow didn't have infinite bolts? I could see those. <laughs> And he was rapid firing that shit at one point. It was nonsensical. Eh. Like he was click, click, clicking that shit. Not even enough time for the bow to be fully drawn back. Motherfucker, I see Berserk doing Gatling gun wrist mounted crossbow shits. I don't give a fuck. That's Berserk. (laughs) Like Berserk is a special case. (laughs) I can just look at my shoulder to fire this cannon. Fuck. Oh, someone makes a sick deathcore band about me. <laughs> they probably will. It's berserk. They do. It's called Brand of Sacrifice. There you go. They're fucking rad. <laughs> and they're Canadian. <laughs> uh, yeah. Their nationality shouldn't matter to your appreciation, Dead. It doesn't. It just adds to it. But so Werewolf by Night is very much, in my opinion, like an homage to the classic, classic universal horror movies. It's mostly in black and white. And so much of it seems to be like, hey, have you seen this? Well, have you seen this? It just feels like it was, it it feels like someone suggested that, hey, we should do a werewolf movie. And then someone says, I, I just watched The Wolfman. Yeah, well, it's... So, Especially because there's so much of it where we don't get to see the title character. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it is 45 minutes into a 52-minute special before a werewolf shows up. I guess technically... Was it 52 want- minutes? I'd say it was more like a 50-minute special because two of those minutes was, was credits. Okay, fi- I was counting the credits, but... Ah, fuck the credits. I was counting the English credits because Disney Plus puts two minutes of other credits on help. Yeah, and depending on what you're watching, you have to watch all of them. Yeah, they also continue the trend of having 30 seconds of just watching Marvel masturbate. Yeah, and we made Dead Watch it this time because it was slightly different. Yep. It was black and white and had occasionally claws come up, which was surprising considering that it actually blocked out some of the screen, but stopping people from seeing the Marvel logo. You got to maintain complete brand awareness at all times. But yeah, okay, this was, this was not a, in my opinion, this felt like an homage. This was, it was an homage. They literally put out a trailer. That was an homage. The entire thing was built ground up and advertised ground up as an homage. Well, good because like they they hit the they hit the nail on the head, and I got a cat here in my mouth. <laughs> <sighs> Cats—they like to ruin everything. 
yeah uh we're also gonna get into spoilers for this just because fuck it it's been out for a while yeah it's been out for a while you've had a chance to see it if you don't want to watch it pause now and then come back to listen or leave us playing in the background and restart us from the beginning doesn't hurt us yeah fuck it but yeah it's it's like 50 minutes before it's like 40 minutes before we get to see a werewolf and then when we do it's it's the movie werewolf which is Sorry, it's the TV werewolf, because the movie werewolf tends to look more like a wolf. I understand that effects are hard and costly. You couldn't have given him like a snout. Because <laughs> he looked like a monkey. Played really well and like did and like did some fucking surprisingly brutal shit. Oh, yeah, no, like. This was Disney flexing there. Yeah, we can make good. We can make good stuff for adults. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was one of the. It was one of the most like frenetically charged werewolf scenes because typically with like werewolf scenes, it's they put all their budget into making the werewolf costume, so they can't exactly spend a lot on convincing looking gore. So it's typically like quick cuts of hey werewolf face and then person screaming, then splash of blood, all in shadow. So that the horrible violence is implied. But with this, they're just like, yeah, no, we we got a gorilla suit and then just kind of use that. And then we and then we put that and we put a stun actor in that and just said, hey, fucking MMA these dudes to death. Yeah, it was it's fucking awesome. Yeah, it was really great. Rips a dude's fucking ear and cheek off. Uh, gets one dude blood fucking, splatters on the screen yeah g- gets a dude in like an mma fucking take down and then rips a dude's rib cage in half it was great and gael garcia bernal who plays jack russell aka the werewolf by night he he does he's great yeah he comes off very natural and very fun and like he's very likable yeah, very likable, very, very... And I love how how he played the awkward-ass scene of having to smell Elsa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's werewolf stuff. You can't exactly... This, this is werewolf stuff, but like horror movies, so you can't exactly control that. So he's like, okay, I gotta get the scent in there, because this worked once before. It's literally your only hope. Yeah, and then it worked. And also, this is, I believe, the MCU introduction of Man-Thing. Mm-hmm. AKA as Ted. As far as I'm aware, yes. Good old Ted. Yep. The competent one of the bunch. Because hey, I think Jack Russell was pretty competent for most of the movie. That's because he had a competent person around him. Which is Elsa Bloodstone. <laughs> who, like, character and performance, fucking great. Yeah. Um... You know what feel I got from her watching her performance? Was that? I got the feel of you've watched Warehouse 13, right? Absolutely. Jules Verne. Ooh. I think that was the name. That's the kind of feel that I got from her. Just this like well, no, bitch it, it was who's in H- it was HG Wells. HG Wells, that's what I was like, that's what I was thinking of. This bitch who's in absolute control and you've just got to appreciate it. Yeah. Because she took no shit. Yeah, took no shit and was, straight up, the most effective combatant in the show. Like, not in terms of power, but in terms of efficiency. 
Yeah, she dealt with problems. And even when she was presented with absolutely weird shit, like, oh, I don't know, calling a dangerous monster the name Ted to get it to calm down, yeah. she rolled with it. Yeah, oh, Man-Thing. Um, Ted, Ted, you, you have a lovely name. <laughs> yes, Man-Thing, the nine-foot-tall swamp monster with the power to burn to ashes anything that fears him. Kind of Cthulhu-esque. <laughs> yeah, a little bit with the tentacles. And then it's just like, hey, Ted, right? Lovely name. And he's like, oh. Oh, you're a friend. Hi. Where's my friend? He went that way. Yeah. All right. All right, cool. Thanks. Bye. Ted, <laughs> let me grab his clothes. Yeah, Ted doesn't talk, just growls. Very Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I believe, uh, like, Birdie and you had talked about that relationship uh, dynamic going into it for me. Mm-hmm. And it is very much a like Han Solo Chewbacca thing between Jack and Ted, but Jack has all of the competency of Han Solo, which is to say none, but none I of the bravado. Disagree. I think Jack is fairly competent. <laughs> like, I think he's more competent than Han Solo, whose daring flight tactics are drift slightly to the left. <laughs> I'm not going to recite the bit from the Family Guy special. But no, uh, yeah, like I was kind, I was kind of weirded out by it by like Jack from the like I knew I knew Jack was the werewolf from the beginning because I know comic books. Like literally, the only people who'd be surprised by that who pe- are people who have never heard of Werewolf by Night before. Which fair enough, or couldn't predict that the guy named Jack Russell was a werewolf. Had because they, had they said his name to that? Point? No. But the only, like, the vast majority of people who are going to watch that are being led into it by a fan who's going to tell you the character's name. Because I don't think they ever say his full name. Yeah, they never say his full name. But Marvel is so big at this point that the people watching this who don't know dick about comics insanely outweigh the people who do. I suppose you're right. The vast majority of people who watch this special, no idea who the fuck Jack Russell is. Fair enough. They were probably like, oh, they're putting a werewolf in a superhero thing. That's kind of unique. No idea that, like, every major comic book, like, franchise has at least one, like, werewolf. Yeah. And probably a few vampires. Yeah. They hear some, they hear, like, some nerd just hear somebody say that and then just manifest a copy of Frankenstein of the Agents of Shade. No, no, no. They just hand them a copy of Frankencastle. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, you don't want to. Yeah, the Punisher Bef- was black at one point. Yes, before John Bernthal was the Punisher, the Punisher was kind of dumb. And honestly still is, because I'm not sure if th- this is the truth anymore, but until relatively recently, he was the Ghost Rider, but in space. There also was a time where Frank Castle, a character who had canonically been white up until that point, was black for a couple months. Because he got melatonin injections or something. Something Melanin injections. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, melatonin. He slept amazing. (laughs) It was great. Best sleep of his life. Best sleep of his life. Really vivid dreams, though. (laughs) Yeah, he slept so long he became black. I probably shouldn't have said that. That feels like race. (laughs) It's not. It's not. Usually you get paler the more you sleep. But okay. (laughs) It's comics. We can forgive it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then there was a time it became a Frankenstein monster. An angel. An angel, yeah. The Punisher is boring as hell, so people keep trying to come up with ways to make it interesting and failing. Yeah, it, it's it's a thing. It's a thing in comics. We're, 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 we're going to move off this soon. But it's a thing in comics where the most dangerous person in the room are none of the demigods, none of the actual gods, none of the superpowered aliens. It's the guy with a pistol. Or the guy with a shield. Because Captain America was, even when, when they like sucked the super soldier serum out of him, he was still the most dangerous motherfucker in the room. Uh, I'm just remembering back in Civil War, the comic Civil War. Oh, God, don't talk about it. When the Punisher killed two villains who were trying to join the pre- to try and join the anti-registration side. Because he was like, no compromise, that's how we lose. Then Captain America starts beating the piss out of him. And Captain's screaming, why won't you fight back? And Punisher's just like, it's like I've, I've killed a lot of people, Captain. I'm not going to fight you. I'll never fight you. Doesn't the Punisher, isn't the Punisher the ultimate, ultimately the one who kills, air quotes, Captain America? I don't believe so. I can't remember who killed, air quotes, Captain America. The Punisher technically killed Spider-Man. God, comic books are weird. Yeah, and that was Ultimate Punisher. Who was part of the Avengers, who in the Ultimate Universe were the, uh, were the Wetworks Hit Squad team to, com- uh, compared to the Ultimates. Who were the Avengers? Ultimates was the Ultimate Universe. As much as I love it, it's very dumb. And when I say I love the Ultimate Universe, which is that is to say I love Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, that's pretty much the only part of the Ultimate Universe you're allowed to love anymore. I also love. Oh, sorry, I also love that Ultimate Reed Richards was a fucking dickbag. Just completely strip away all of like the any of the like he like he's my favorite Reed Richards because they admitted he was a bad guy. Reed Richards sucks dick. I don't care how much John Krasinski you put on that man, he will always be a monster. Put Sue Storm with Ben Graham. Fuck it, they're good together. Then yeah, the- they actually really are. Then they'll amicably break up when it doesn't work out and they'll put it with Alicia Masters again because that's the OTP of the Marvel Universe. <sighs> anyway, back to the show. Yeah. Werewolf by Night. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, the basic premise that we get going in is there's going to be a competition between hunters. Uh, Dead described it as PUBG. <laughs> Yeah, because it is. And, and then I was like, no, there's a giant monster. And he was like, oh, PUBG plus Evolve. Yeah. Well, I did say Fortnite. <laughs> oh, sorry. Fortnite. My mistake. Yeah, no one plays PUBG anymore. <laughs> Fortnite. PUBG. Yeah, people loved PUBG. And then Fortnite took all its best features and then also improved on it in certain ways. Also made it, you know, run better. But anyway. So, yeah. There's this family. In the Marvel Universe, the Bloodstone family, a famous family of monster hunters who they are they are famously powerful because of the Bloodstone, the thing they get their name from, which is a stone that is very good against fighting monsters. Yeah, it gives you force powers. Yeah. And so then famous monster hunters from around the world 
which are a thing. They just haven't been mentioned before. Yeah. And like they they acknowledge the superheroes like in passing, which is a great reference. Yeah, it it's, it starts with like an old timey like artist rendition of the Avengers who are like, they're heroes and stuff, but fuck them. Monsters. We're way cooler. <laughs> yeah, check out all of our leather and veils. But no, uh, so yeah, so, so the Bloodstone family, famous monster hunting family, brings in a bunch of other monster hunters. People who have shown their fucking grit and metal and skill in hunting monsters. They're all given a medal and show They've up. They've killed X number of monsters. You, like at least like 10, it seemed, was the lowest. I think we had like one that was 16 and that was the lowest yeah. kill count. Uh, and then, and then yeah, they, they'll show up at the Bloodstone Manor with, at the... Uh, to celebrate or to honor the passing of the patriarch of the Bloodstone family. Oh, they dishonor him so hard. That man is the most extra motherfucker to ever exist. He got himself turned into a wind-up doll. He turned him... Upon his death, he had his body taken apart, preserved, and then then constructed into a clockwork-like old-timey carnival Barker-style thing like the fucking wish machine from Big. Grant your dreams! Yeah, we're like a fucking wax cylinder inside plays the last recording of his voice. Oh, and he had the worst puns. Yeah. And they had to have a 90-year-old man fucking hand crank it to get it going. <laughs> that was the best thing. Because when I went, like, when we saw the cane, the devil's like, what the fuck's that? And I'm like, oh, you're going to love it when you see what it's used for. Make sure you watch that. He was so, he was like, get this man a proper cane. Yeah. And so, yeah, we got all these hunters in here, all of them with varying levels of kills. Um, And then the two that stand out Elsa Bloodstone, uh, estranged daughter of the Bloodstone family. Who is here to claim the stone and just say fuck you to say yo fuck you mom, and does not get credited with any kills. Yeah, and it's her stepmother. Just to clarify. Yeah, yeah, she walks in without a medal, and everyone's like, "Is yeah, she just in here because of fucking nepotism?" Yes, yes, she is. <laughs> and then her stepmom cuts her off before she can girl boss her way into a position of power. <laughs> Which I mean, you kind of have to do when someone's taking all your thunder. Yeah. Elsa Bloodstone takes no shits and she's awesome. Uh, but then we and get some we get some fight scenes, you know. So before that. Oh. Then there's Jack Russell, who So here's the thing. There are five hunters. Like the the next like the the at this at the point where we find out Jack Russell's kills, the highest has like 75 kills, and everybody's like, damn. I think it was like 60. It was so it was a decent number of kills. Yeah, and but so here's the thing. With every person it was like, all right, this many kills, this many kills, this many kills, and this gentleman with over one hundred confirmed deaths. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> Which like Dead pointed out that that phrase and was weird, and I'm still not sure sure how to interpret I'm that. Still not hundred percent. Like, did she know? I doubt it. She Be- would have probably had him killed immediately. Because the thing that kind because the the thing that is kind of like talked about eventually is that Jack isn't actually really a hunter. He just kind of goes to where a monster is, turns into a werewolf, and then wakes up the next day and the job's done. Which I pointed out when we recorded that is a fucking awesome scam for a monster hunter. Hell yeah, that's a great way to handle things. 
It's like one month, like one night out of the month or fucking whatever. However, the werewolfism works in this goddamn universe. First, I go to where I hear a monster is being a bitch. And then I just wake up the next day and I'm like, well, chocolate went up. And yeah, so they so, yeah, they are sent out into uh, the massive backyard maze of the Bloodstone family. And I say, hey, there is a monster out there. It has the bloodstone on it. Hunt the monster. Whoever kills it gets the stone. The stone will weaken the monster. Yeah. And they go in one at a time. Uh, I, honestly, otherwise, I think Man-Thing would have just been able to instantly vaporize everything. Absolutely. Because Man-Thing is fucking scary. Man-Thing fucks. <laughs> He's from Florida. Of course he fucks. Yeah, Man-Thing is famously from the Florida Swamps, a.k.a. the Nexus of All Realities. And he will fuck a motherfucker up. If you fear him, like, I think it's even a little bit of fear in your heart towards him. And he touches Um, you. And he can touch you. You don't exist anymore. You are just ash. And that's like, well, we'll get to what we'll get to where that comes in, because. It is actually important. Um, but so but yeah, yes. like, so they're they're sent into this maze with no weapons. Where weapons are laid out. Yeah, they have to pick up weapons and there are like Victrolas around just kind of playing old timey music. Which Elsa did a stupid. She turned off one of the Victrolas. And, and I'll like announce your position to the enemy. That's I'll, smart. I'll put that up to girl bossness. It's like. Like, th- th- this is me entirely justifying it for my own head cannon. And, but, yeah, it's like she turns it off. It's like, oh, no, now they know where I am and they'll bring weapons to me. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be expecting a weapon delivery in five, four, ching. There we go. Yep. Oh, sick. An impossible repeating crossbow. My favorite. <laughs> it's not, but makes cave upset and that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> it does make me upset. <laughs> like we all have things we get hung up on cave on fucking weapons. Me on podcasting gear. <laughs> I get hung up on the weirdest shit. <laughs> we get hung up on things we like. Yeah. And then both of us scream like you're playing D D wrong. What fucking version is this? I will never tell someone they're playing D D wrong. Just that I will never play their version. In the community episode of D&D, Abed rolls every, the DM rolls everyone's skill checks and rolls a D12 in front of the table sometimes. Uh, that is a weird way to play, and I'm never playing it. Yeah, it's especially weird because Dan fucking Harmon knows how to play D&D. But good luck finding that episode, I guess. It got removed because they had one joke early on about a Chinese guy in blackface. The Ch- Chang, dressed up as a dark elf. And dark elves have obsidian black skin. Mm-hmm. Which, just for me, I always thought they were albino. I think it, like, it for like based on the art I've seen, it's usually one of the two. It's usually either their skin is pitch black or their skin is, like, gray-white. Yeah, I think it's because I saw an image of a drider. 
Mm. I was like, yeah, it's a dark elf. Well, half I mean, one anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the top half of one. Yeah. Uh, do I want to say this? If you have to ask yourself that, probably not. Probably not. I'll ask you later and get your opinion on it. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, so we're off a night. And yeah, so Jack gets into the maze and his whole goal is just, hey, find my buddy and get him the fuck out of there. And ends up recruiting Elsa into his bit. Who? Uh, yeah. Uh, who says the best line about one of her ancestors? Yeah, just yeah. She was this crazy bitch. Thought she'd come back, so she insisted she got buried with her weapon and a key. Yeah, I wasn't gonna be and locked the in a fucking weapon. Bottle, you know? Was a fucking grapple hook, which is fucking awesome. Yeah, like, yeah. Old Aunt Frances doesn't fuck around. No, she does not. <sighs> but yeah, it, that that was probably one of the weirdest moments for me because it's like. Because, so, Jack is, like, explaining a situation to her, but without getting actually into detail about what the situation is. And she's like, what, are you friends with the monster? And he's just like, yes. and he just kind of, like, weakly nods. And then she doesn't super react. It's not like a, it, in anything else, if this had more than 50 minutes... Then it would have had like a then it would have had like a second. There would have been some more banter and back and forth yeah, about it. A bit of banter. It would have had like some That's kind the of reaction. With Werewolf by Night is it could have used like a ten minutes. Bit more time. I I think they could have easily put in an extra, an extra thirty minutes. Got full feature length presentation and yeah, minimum ten is what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, and it it does suffer a little bit for its shortening. Because there are some scenes that could would definitely benefit from being stretched out a little bit. Um, it go. I th- I feel like it goes for more horror comedy than straight horror. Absolutely. About? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, um, was that even a question? I mean, the scene with the bomb. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. Th- there's a point where they are, where like Elsa, where Elsa gives him a. Can, can we just talk about the fact that she still had her arm? How do like, you mean? Well, uh, okay, so after they force uh, Jack Russell to turn, she does the standard um, a stupid move of standing too close to the stage, and she's like, he won't let me go, he won't let me go, but she still has her arm afterwards. Oh, Elsa's stepmom, yeah. Yeah, it's like, the fuck? Yeah, just kind of a non sequitur there, but... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, just j- like j- it- yeah when, when Jack first turns... Well, sorry. When they find out Jack is a monster... Mm-hmm. Uh... Stepmama Bloodstone. I can't remember her real name. Stepmama Bloodstone. That's all we need. Yeah, she used like, the... like her entire personality is based around fucking that mannequin. Yeah, yeah. She takes Jack and Elsa and locks them in a very ostentatious and ineffectual cage. It's literally a bird cage. Bird cages are more effective because they actually have rods that are connected to each other. Yeah, but I've seen bird cages that are just loops at large portions of it. It's just that birds don't have the physical strength to push those apart. Yeah, but monsters typically do. Yeah, they do. And she's from a famous... What did you ever contain in that cage? Yeah, but yeah, so... uh, Actually, I don't want to know. Locks Jack and Elsa in there, and then uses the bloodstone to force Jack to turn. 
it's visually a fine transformation sequence. Audio could have used a second pass. Yes, there were some issues with the audio that you pointed out because it's just voice noises. There's no like typically with like a with like a werewolf transformation, you hear like skin ripping, bones popping and cracking because it's like an actual transformation that's happening. With this, with this one, it was just Jack going ah ah, yeah. and then someone like someone like added a fucking tiger roar to his voice, and it sounded like a velociraptor. Yeah, I will say that the actual like the vi- visuals of it, visuals are great. That is that is absolutely how you would have done it back in the day, and a great way to do it now. It is the classic of flashing light silhouette. So so you get just like a body. Tor- twisted and tormented in pain as it slowly turns from human to not quite human. It's a solid transformation. Yeah, well done. Yeah, and then fucking Jack just grabs her arms through the cage and she's like, ah, ah, Jason, oh God, oh fuck. And then her arms is fine. Jack does nothing to her. I mean, she, it's it's fine enough for her to wield a fucking blunderbuss at the end. Like, literally, she is the one trying to kill him, and Jack touches her once. Yeah. The and most, then, yeah, the like, most damage Ted's dealt the one her. who finishes her off. Yeah, Ted finishes her off, and Elsa fucking concusses her. Yeah, she does. Elsa is a badass. Yeah, by hucking a goddamn grappling hook into her spine, yanking back in her head, slamming off the concrete. And then the like the, the the thing ends with Jack being like, twice it's worked twice now. <laughs> yeah, and then talking to go about going get sushi. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good because that that's kind of how, like you kind of get a little desensitized to all this bullshit when you know you've been a werewolf long enough. Yeah, or when you know your best friend is a sentient pile of plants with fire powers. And violating tentacle face. I think those tentacles don't look super violating because they just kind of droop and hang. Like they don't, they aren't like ambulatory. True, they still look like violating tentacles to me. Mm, on of like course, a, that's all tentacles for me. <laughs> yeah, on like a scale of like oh, they're they're like a one out of ten. On a scale, they are just above Squidward. Yeah. Like, you want to talk about tentacles that fuck, talk about Davy Jones. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. His tentacles get down. That's a man whose beard has seen the inside of some people. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Yeah, moving so, on. We're going from one comic book thing to another, because uh, I finally watched most of She-Hulk. Most of. Yeah, I didn't finish. I got frustrated when the like the the boyfriend like like short-term dating option uh like turned out to be working for intelligence. Okay. I mean, like I predicted and I was like, "Man, this is going to be really lame if they reveal it's this." Oh, they revealed it's this. Did they do a fourth wall breaking joke about it? No. Mm. They didn't even do the bare minimum. Yeah. Um, but I did. I've, I've, I loved what I've watched so far. It's just, it's not my kind of thing. And when they do a thing where I'm like, eh, to begin with, I'm probably not going to go back to it. 
Yeah, I, but I, I'm not big into watching comedy shows and shit like that. Okay, like I like action. I watch action. Yeah, this show is not the show for action. Yeah, I still remember the end of the first episode. I mean, the action is fun. <laughs> I enjoy it. I d- I d- I don't remember a whole lot of action from the second episode because I don't think there was any. And the only action in the first episode could have used some work. Like, first episode, it's a Hulk fight. Hulk fights are kind of boring. Yeah. And it's especially not great when she, like, when it's like, all right, I'm going to use my fucking clap powers to huck this guy away. Awesome. I'm going to turn 180 degrees. Then he comes at me from 90 degrees to my left. Yeah. And then like it her- also I it it frustrated me a little bit that she was just so much naturally better than him at everything that there was to be doing with the Hulk. I loved that she was like, I'm a woman. I know how to control these emotions because if I don't, then I get attacked for it. But that she was like a natural at everything to do with being a Hulk. It was a little frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Because Banner, like he said spent 15 fucking years becoming good at being a Hulk. And she just turns a switch and is good at it. Like, though he didn't cover the one thing that, like, I feel he really should have covered, which is, yeah, if you sneeze, you're going to destroy everything. So you need to learn how to control, like, like bodily functions functions that most people do not have to think about. Yeah, I'm going to call my buddy Black Adam. He's going to talk to you about some stuff. Well, talk. He's going to get his girlfriend to talk at you. Yeah. Wife? Are they married yet? Oh, they're, they're married. <laughs> no, no, that's the Hulk. Like, I wonder if they got married. Yeah, she, and she, and she, just, pulls, and she just pulls like marriage records on her phone. Yeah, they're married. I got a guy. Registered down here? I got a guy in Adelan Law on, on speed dial. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the county clerk's office on the moon. <laughs> oh, hey, Jen. How you doing? You turned into a Hulk. Yeah. Oh, hey, Karnak. Weird. <laughs> I think that's a different guy, but fuck it. <laughs> it's and then a moon. the dog just shows up. Yeah, the dog. Lockjaw, baby. The old- Lockjaw just shows up. And like the Hulk's like, oh, are you here to take me to the moon? No, no, no. He's here to take me. I have a business thing. Yeah. One of the only two good in humans characters, Lockjaw. Lockjaw is best dog. <laughs> For reference, the other uh, one is Miss Marvel. Um, but no, I actually really like a lot of the, what the show did and is doing. I love the designer that they have. Like, yeah, they this guy does superhuman costume, and then he's, he's like, all right, so what kind of combat are you getting into? What kind of indestructible are you looking for? And she's like, courtroom procedural. Yeah. Get out. The, the joke, the joke, like the overarching joke with the show is that She-Hulk... Jennifer Walters is 100% convinced that she is in a legal procedural show. The show keeps proving otherwise. Yeah. It's like, I am a goddamned lawyer. Stop punching me. I also really loved that. Like we, we came back to um, the abomination and he genuinely is a spiritual guide. Like I, Oh, I love that. 
I. It's the Marvel thing of, hey, let's introduce a villain with this characteristic. Then we'll bring them back. Then we'll bring them back 10 years later, remove everything about them and make them comedy characters. I I actually like, I feel like there was like, he went on a proper path to become this like, and he wasn't even really a comedy character. He was just a side character. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was still the thing of like, of like, Hey, they walk in and he's like, Oh, how you going love? Oh, I'm the fucking abomination. That's a terrible Tim Roth yeah. impression. I'm sorry. I wrote some haikus. <laughs> Yeah, well, you want me to read you some of my poetry? Meanwhile, last time we saw him, he was hardcore military soldier. fucker. British super soldier. Yeah, who was like, hey, I'm doing this solely to fuck you up. Yeah. Though, they, so he said that that was because of the super soldier serum. and Which, no. Well, she latched onto it and was like, wait a second. They gave you drugs and you weren't in control of yourself? I could probably get you off for the original charge with that. Hell yeah. <laughs> Lawyering, baby. <laughs> Jennifer Walters, if nothing else, is good at her fucking job. Yeah. My, like, one, the, one of the big issues that I do have is, like, at one point she's like, this isn't going to become a cameo show. And, like, every other episode has a cameo. Blah, da, 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 da. If you lampshade bad like, writing, it's not bad writing anymore. I'm like, don't, don't be lazy. Just admit that you're a cameo show. No, we're not a cameo show. God, look at how much effort Wong we put into has shown up like six times. Look at how much effort we put into the She-Hulk model. I actually don't think it looks that bad. The face is where it is. I don't think the face looks that bad. It, it doesn't look that bad, but it is occasionally the Uncanny Valley. Because every once in a while, an expression will come up, and it's like, ah, oh, that's that's not what a human face looks like. Yeah, uh, I do think Abomination looks like an abomination. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, did you guys not update the model? Oh, we, God, that looks bad. We made one in 2004, and it's still good, dadgummit. I also loved, uh, like, where where the Titania fight ended for me so far, which was her busting her veneers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, like, she just freaks out about my veneers and, ha- and flips out at the audience ostensibly because there's a crowd of people taking photos and posting obviously going to be posting those to Instagram and shit. Yeah. And it's like, bitch, you picked a fight with She-Hulk. What did you expect? Ooh. To not be embarrassed? Ooh, sorry. Just rolling back a bit. Other thing to get upset about with the model. Apparently, they originally made the model a bit buffer, and then Disney was like, no, no, tone down the muscles. That sucks. Because they're fucking cowards. That does suck, because She-Hulk. Normalized jacked Um, women, dagnabbit. Yeah. I don't want to fuck him, but I mean, yeah. Hello there. (laughs) 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 Anyway. Yeah, I I need to finish She-Hulk. I do not know. I do not have a lot of faith I will enjoy it by the end. Yeah, I didn't really enjoy, like, like I enjoyed it, but it wasn't my thing. Yeah, I also feel like a lot of my decent, like, my, like, my unenjoyment about it is going to be, I hope it isn't too closely parallel to the shitheads who hated it. Because that's always the thing with, like, these shows where there's a bunch of shitheads start screaming on Twitter about how it's, 
a fucking nightmare and like the fucking destruction of something that they made up about how everyone hates them completely ignoring the, uh, the actual reasons everyone hates them and so with shows like that i'm always like hey i don't want to talk about this because i someone's gonna take what i say out of context and assume i'm one of these assholes yep but that actually requires people to have heard of me say these things <laughs> yeah i mean it's not like i put it on the internet for people to listen to and subscribe to wherever podcasts are available. Yeah, give us a listen, guys. But uh, that's as, really as all I. As, as, as you're really as you're as you're 45 minutes into this show, give us a listen. Yeah, I mean, hey, you might be interested in die. Yeah, if you just if you just tuned I, into this portion of our Pandora broadcast, at some point in the future, Dead's going to be running one. Hi. Until then, you're stuck with me, and I know no one cares. Yeah. Moving on. I was going to be stuck with me giving him production notes. In the middle of the show. Well, we don't talk about these things beforehand, and when we do, people just forget them. Well, that's because you record with a bunch of people who have the memory of a guppy, including myself. So what are we talking about? I have no idea. Whose turn is it? I think it's time for you. I think I'm done. Alrighty, I cool. don't remember watching anything else. Alrighty, cool. Uh, stick with comic book shows. Uh, Stargirl season three, the final season, which I do not believe was told, said to be the final season until they were about halfway through. That fucking sucks. Yeah, it, it, they're selling the CW, so they're cutting costs, I guess, by canceling like the couple of good shows they have. Because in spite of any issues I might have with Stargirl, I still consider it a good show. It's better than a lot of their superhero shows. Yeah, it is. And by a lot of, I mean Titans. Titans isn't CW. Oh, it's not? Titans was never CW. Oh. Titans was originally DC Universe and then moved over to HBO Max. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now, the more I know. Stargirl started as a DC Universe show as well, but then moved to CW. So they're canceling the CW entirely? No, they're selling it. Hey, we're in debt. Let's lose multiple sources of revenue. Yeah, that that's gonna that's gonna save us. Hell yeah! Also, let's cancel Batgirl. Yeah, something a lot of people were excited for and going to give us money for. Yeah, fuck that yeah. shit. Pump it all into Gotham Knights, baby. That live service model. <laughs> what do you mean Gotham Knights is tanking? That's not possible. Batgirl's in it. Oh shit! <laughs> Son of a fuck! <laughs> but no, so season three, subtitled Frenemies, because every season beyond the first of Stargirl has a subtitle, which is to say, season two also had a subtitle because it was Stargirl, Stargirl season two, summer school, because because she was so busy Stargirling in the first season, she failed a couple of her classes. So I had to go to summer school. Yeah, my mom always said that if I, uh, if like my options were go to summer school or get held back, I'd be getting put in the most dangerous public school in my area. So I made sure to always at least barely pass my classes. Oh, uh, I, I didn't know summer school was a thing until like middle school. Lucky you. And then never went. I got paid to do calculus. And not illicitly. 
I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so yes, yeah, season two was like, hey, they're in summer school, and then shit around that. Season three, Frenemies, is about trying to rehabilitate villains. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, uh, Cindy Berman, a.k.a. Shiv, the daughter of Dragon King, part of the Justice Injustice Society of America, she joins the new JSA, and everyone but Stargirl is like, yeah, we don't want her here. Come on, guys. Meanwhile, Let her be here. Meanwhile, Sportsmaster and Tigress moved down the street from Stargirl and her family, and now occasionally break into their house to give them vegetables and a juicer. I'm like, sorry, what? Yeah. Yes, Sportsmaster and Tigress within the world of Stargirl are like health nuts because, you know, they were on the ISA with no superpowers beyond being insanely good at things. They are people who, with, again, no powers and completely physical physical stuff, were instrumental in killing the JSA. Sportsmaster his secret identity, Crusher Creel, or whatever the fuck his name is, he runs a gym. Yeah, I remember that. And he was like trying to get uh, the dad to join the gym. Yeah, get Pat. And so now that he lives down the street and they're like buds, he's like, hey, Pat, gotta, gotta get you off that fucking, yeah, gotta get you off that light beer stuff. It's full of fucking empty calories. Here, have this juice mix. I also brought, I also bought you a juicer. I installed it already. I've also taken all of your sugary cereals and replaced them with vegetables. Oh, man. I just finished off a box of Fruit Loops. I have a box of Frosted Flakes in my pantry. Man, my body was like, we haven't eaten something this bad for us in a long time. Stop it. I bought a 12 liter tub of mint chocolate chip ice cream. Mm. Ice cream. Yeah, it's great. Dieting sucks. It does. That's <laughs> That's why I don't really do it. I might need a cheat day soon. <sighs> but yeah, so that's the whole season. The whole season's like the theme is can like are villains redeemable? And it complicates things when one villain, the gambler, a man whose entire gimmick is being a down southern gambling boy, but whose entire actual skill set is computers. So what is he hack? Uh, the slot machines or something? Nope. Just computers. Just does computer stuff. Hacks other things. He just has be a gambler. You need to you know, has... associate yourself with gambling. Rob he, a casino. He has gambling. Th- he has gambling themed personalized software. <laughs> you yeah, know, no, sorry. You know, the kind of shitheads that write for television who think, hey, this person's a computer hacker. They must have built their own operating system. Fuck. I know several very adept computer people, and not a one of them has built their own operating system. No, if they're really computer people, they're running a Linux system. I've actually been told that. Yeah, that's that's not a thing. They're running fucking Ubuntu, and they're, that's all they get. At most, they've got maybe like a few elements of personalized GUI, and that's it. Yeah, the GUI doesn't change the goddamn OS. Also, it it's a thing that will never not bug me. 
if you're having a progress bar fill on a computer monitor, don't have someone typing. The typing does nothing unless the progress bar is a progress of them typing a document. Yeah. Unless they're playing Mavis Mavis Bacon's typing tutor. Fuck off with that shit. Also, use a mouse. Fuck's sake. These people know what computers are. They use computers. How can no one write or direct or act a computer? Fuck me. I found another thing that I'm I'm irrationally angry about in movies and TV. (laughs) Might just be all electronics. I think I saw one per I think I saw one bit in fucking Eye Zombie where they were playing Dying Light single player and it was two people with controllers on the couch going, Oh my god, look at that stuff. Wah. And I was like, You fucking shitheads. These people are wealthy enough to own a house in their thirties in twenty seventeen. They have two televisions and two Xboxes. They're having a land party. Fuck. But no, so the gambler comes back to town, and he's like, hey, I've reformed. I found out I have a daughter and thus changed my ways from being a criminal to being a good person. I'm from, I'm from the South. I'm just a simple Southern hacker. But then he gets fucking murdered. He comes down and like, hey, I have a daughter. I'm trying to make amends with people so that my daughter, so when I meet my daughter, I'm not an irreprehensible shithead. So please... Forgive me and accept tokens of gratitude. I, I'm a good guy now. Ha ha. But then he gets fucking murdered and they go and find his body and they, he's living out a trailer park and they find his dead body and standing over his body is Cindy Berman, AKA Shiv, the daughter of Dragon King holding a pistol. And thus the murder investigation begins. Oh, also other thing, uh, the original Starman, Sylvester Pemberton. He's alive again. And is now here pulling double duty with Stargirl. Like they Like it wasn't like this was a thing that she suggested. They were like, hey, yeah, I understand how much being Starman means to you. Let's go have these on the staff. We'll have we'll have shared custody. You get Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I get Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, and we split Sundays. Oh, that's a decent number. Yeah. Uh then he kind of Bees a little bit of a shit about it. Takes staff when it's not his turn. Gets irrationally angry. Tries to... Ends up blowing up a fucking grocery store trying to kill the Crocs. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. The Crocs, that's their name. Sportsmaster and Tiger's name's a Croc. Last name is Croc. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. That's, a, that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And yeah, that's, that's kind of a thing of just like... Sylvester comes back and it's like, hey, these people murdered me and all of our friends. Maybe don't have them live next door. A thought. But then Courtney is just, no, we need we need to give them the benefit of the doubt that good people are good. People are at the end of the day, good people. And we can help them. We give them a chance and they can they can sort their ways out. And then also they're investigating a murder. there is there are certain things that people who write for superhero television can be good at 
mystery is typically not one of them. <laughs> because being completely honest, the mystery aspect is the least interesting part of this entire season. Especially when it's just a bunch of red fucking herrings. And red fucking herrings that make no goddamn sense. Like, the most recent episode that I watched... Um, so someone has been watching everybody. They they have been like occasionally cuts down into like this subterranean layer with a bunch of different monitors up there, and somebody watching those monitors that are at, that are like surveilling all the superheroes in town because these superheroes have the worst secret identities. Despite all of them wearing full masks, with the exception of Star Girl, which I, if you're gonna have a secret identity. Cover your fucking face and hair. Yeah. It's just a suggestion. Cover the majority of your face. Yeah. At the very least. Yeah. Don't cover the bridge of your nose and your forehead. Domino masks don't actually work. And Stargirl is just wearing a fancier domino mask. Like, yeah, with, uh, like, yeah, with, um, with Wildcat and Our Man, you can both see their jaws. And that's also a bit of a giveaway. And with and with uh, Doctor Midnight, you you can technically see her jaw, but it's also like underneath a strap, so it's kind of warping the shape a bit. So it's more than nothing. And yes, she is wearing giant goggles, but those goggles are glowing green, which does having a bright light inside of them does technically mask some detail. And then Stripes is just a giant fucking robot, so you can't see the man inside it. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, there's someone who's watching them, and everyone assumes, like I did, that this is Director Bones. This is the DEO. This is Helix. This is this is the Skeleton Man, voiced by Keith David, who's watching them. In fact, in one of the episodes, he's literally constructing a jigsaw puzzle of a black skull. And then it's like, whoopsie doops, no, it wasn't him, get fucked. And it's like, so what the fucking point was the goddamn jigsaw puzzle other than to fucking force people to go down your goddamn bullshit red herring path, you fucker? So dumb. I don't like it. But then the rest of the, sh- the, rest of the show is about people you know, dealing with trust issues and like the team not like the team kind of falling apart as Courtney, Stargirl, is beginning a relationship with the son of Icicle and like teaching him how to control his powers because he's like oh I have anger issues and these ice powers so that's a bad combo and she's like no the ice powers the ice powers aren't a problem you can use them to make you can use them to make dope shit like hey check this shit out and then she makes him do like a fucking like Edward Scissorhands snow in July thing and he's like oh I never thought of it that way because People who gain superpowers are fucking idiots. Yeah, they really are. I say, sitting on my ivory throne of never having developed powers and being a min-maxer in a TTRPG. I'm sure that I'm sure that we we we're fine to talk about how incompetent they are. Yeah, it's right. You get all these powers, man, and I don't expect everyone to be Ichiro Oda in terms of being like interesting with their power builds, but like, come on, man. 
do something more than just I punch good. Never. Never. It's too complicated to write, and and, th- and doing anything better than I punch good would increase the effects budget for the show. Because like previous seasons, they did spend a decent amount of... They, they, they spent time developing hand-to-hand combat scenarios for, uh, like, shooting. It's not all just quick cuts. It's not all... It's like, it's not incomprehensible. You can tell what's happening. They do a decent job melding the, like, stunt actors with the real actors. A, a substantial amount of wire work. Which I always love. Like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do hand-to-hand fight scenes with people with powers, or, like, power-like abilities, fucking put in wires. Yeah. Hong Kong figured this shit out decades ago. Yeah, and so it's just, like, character stuff and, like, other shit. And your mileage with this will entirely depend on how inoculated you are to bad teen drama. Because that's what this is. This is what this is. It's, it is interesting topics handled with the deft of hand of a CW writer. Albeit one of their better ones, but still. Yeah, it's... I like Stargirl. This season might be the weakest beyond the first half of the first season. Season two is probably still the best. It's like hands down. You sound enthralled, Cave. Because it's just like we're we're at the point talking about the show where it's just like, yeah, and compared to the rest of it, which you haven't watched. Yeah, it's 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 worse. But so moving on. So moving on, then. I have a thread that I could go with mystery stuff, but then I also have another thing that would stick out as a different TV show. How do you want to how do you want to run that case? How do you want to hear about first? Follow the thread. All right, cool. So I started watching fucking Columbo. Oh, no. I forgot that you talked that you did talk to me about Columbo. Hell yeah, baby. Columbo. Oh, well, you've suffered through uh, me talking about uh, Murder, She Wrote, so so I'll listen about Columbo again. (laughs) Columbo will probably be my Murder, She Wrote, because I fucking love it. It is so goddamn good. For those who don't know, Columbo is a show from the 70s and 80s, uh, starring Peter Falk as Lieutenant Columbo, first name never given. Does he have a first name? I believe it is written down on his ID as Frank, but it has never been vocalized within the show. Everyone just calls him Columbo, including himself. We also never see his wife, despite have, despite her being mentioned every episode. Columbo is just an entity unto himself, and anything within his orbit exists solely for the purpose of providing things for Columbo to do. Columbo is the beginning and end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the he is the heat death of the universe and the Big Bang to create all life. Praise be unto Columbo. All hail. <laughs> yes. Now get on. Now get on your uh, beige overcoat and get your cheap cigars. We're heading down to get a bowl of chili. Can I have a cheap fake cigar? I'll allow it for now, but you're on thin ice, heretic. 
All right. I just I don't like cigars. <laughs> I don't like I don't smoke. I don't smoke. You can just hold it then. Oh, okay. He doesn't smoke it every it. scene. He comes in and just walks and holding it. But no, uh so Columbo is an inverted whodunit. Because Columbo is technically not the main characters of his own show. The majority of screen time is taken up by the murderer because every single Columbo thing that I am aware of starts with, hey, here's our special guest star. They're the murderer. Here's how they did it. Here's who they killed. Here's how they tried to get away with it. Now watch Columbo try to figure out how to prove it. Because every single every single Columbo mystery is an incredibly rich or affluent person in this fucking like West Coast society killed somebody for very selfish reasons. They put a lot of thought into the plan and spent a lot of time making this shit fucking as airtight as humanly possible. Then Columbo strolls in, just fucking shambles in like a weird golem. And goes, uh, one more thing. You didn't do this very simple and very, like, easily miss, very easily, like, very easily uh, missed everyday aphemism. Why is that? I think you're the murderer. Let me try to prove it. You flubbed one line. Like, literally, the thing that gets him on the right thread in the very first Columbo case that's right. The very the very first Peter Falk Columbo case is the murderer walked into his house and didn't call out to his wife. Because the very first Columbo thing with Peter Falk is a TV movie called Prescription Murder. In it, a doctor who's been cheating on his wife with a young actress strangles his wife to death. This is after his wife, this is after he and his wife get into a bit of a fight in their apartment when in, by themselves, where his wife's like, like, you're cheating on me, aren't you? I fucking knew it, you piece of shit. I'm going to take you for everything you're fucking worth. And then he's like, no, honey, I was at the office, I was at the office confirming our last minute tickets to fucking Acapulco. We're going on the vacation you always wanted. He's like, oh, thank God. I'm sorry. Yeah, I get in my own head sometimes. Next day, strangles her to death. Then takes her... Like, like, takes a bunch of, like, uh, like candlesticks that they have lying around, like, they're, like, silver. Takes a bunch of her jewelry, takes, like, some, like, silverware. Dumps it all into a fucking, ch- like, a, dumps it all into his baggage. Breaks the window to make it look like someone broke in and strangled his wife. Then, has the actress put on a blonde wig, like his wife, dress up in her clothes, and go to the airport with him. There, the two of, the, the two of them get into a big fight, and she storms off the plane. He goes to Acapulco anyway. There... He dumps all the silverware and dumps everything else, too. Just, hey, all this expensive shit off the fucking side of the boat. As you do. Yes. Thus setting up in every witness's mind that he and his wife got on the plane, got into a fight. His wife got off the plane and he stayed on the plane and thus was either in the air or in Mexico when she was murdered. And then he walks home. Then he walks home out, then he comes into his home after like a week in Acapulco and doesn't call out for his wife. And thus Columbo's like, 
yeah, you're behind this somehow. And then that's it. It's just it's just Columbo, this schlubby, very affable, very, very like gosh gee willikers, but not from the south. Like pretty much every time he walks into someone's apartment or like house or something, he's like, my God, this place is fucking amazing. And it's never 100% clear whether that is genuine or him playing a role. He just always walks in and is like and like butters them up a bit. Just like talks about like, oh, this is fucking amazing. You have this amazing house. You have all this amazing fucking artwork on here. I don't know a whole much. I don't know a whole lot about art. But anyway, a bit later, I'm going to mention this very obscure artist because I'm actually fucking amazing at everything. I just look like I fucking crawled out of a dumpster. I just look like the slubbiest schlub of schlubdom. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just him very slowly picking away at a case and just you watching the killer get more and more frustrated because this fucking cop won't fucking let it go. And that's and that's basically every Columbo case. Just rich asshole, man or woman, doesn't matter, murders someone, covers it up elaborately, then Columbo walks in and thread by thread, piece by piece, picks it apart until he gets them to confess or to incriminate themselves in a way that makes it very clear they did it. Like one time, one of the cases... Um, a private detective who owns a who owns, who owns like owns the, who owns like the largest private detective agency in the city. He is hired by a guy to find out if his wife is cheating on him. As you do, yeah. Can't the, just talk about it. Yeah, the detective. Well, they're rich. <laughs> the detective gives her a quote unquote clean bill of health. Just there's nothing happening. She's not cheating. She is perfectly happy and faithful to you. Then he calls the wife to his house and is like, what's up, bitch? I have all the proof that you've been cheating on your husband. You feed me information from him because he is a very high ranking person in society or I give him these. She says, no, fuck you. Go die. So he kills her. Because she because she was about to go tell her husband everything and also reveal that he had been lying to her husband. So he kills her. Um, I forget the... Oh, right. Uh, kills her and then kind of like dumps her out somewhere in the fucking like sticks to make it look like she just got like kidnapped and banged. Like, make, make it look like someone else was involved. The husband hires the private detective and then also Columbo gets on the case. And the husband's like, hey, work with this private eye. I'm, I'm familiar with him. We, are, we go way back. He can do things that cops can't. I was like, oh, yeah, sure, we could do that. Uh, and he eventually is like, yeah, so uh, she had this cut on her cheek, like she got backhanded with a person wearing a ring on their left hand. Which, hey, that guy does. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, and then he eventually says, like, yeah, so she was missing a contact lens in her eye when she died. And he has this, like, very thick shag carpeting in his house. So he's like, motherfucker, where's this goddamn contact lens? So he like goes to the carpet, rips it up, can't find it. So he's like, I know it's in the trunk of my car, but my car is at the mechanic shop. Fuck. I got to go break into the mechanic shop to check the trunk to find that contact lens. 
and Columbo's there waiting. As you do. And he had planted the contact lens. Because the, because the because the wife had both her contact lenses in. Clever, I like it. Yeah, it's shit like that. It's great. And given our given our societal status, we always love to see rich assholes get the shit beaten out of them. That is a lot of that. That is, that is a that is a constant undertone of Columbo. Now, specifically, the reason Dead likes Columbo is the reason I don't like Columbo. I like to solve the murder. Usually I do that via, via recognizing the cliches and studying the tropes, but I like to, I like to study the murders and figure it out. I read way too many murder mysteries and get upset when I don't solve it by the end. Yeah. I have never completely solved a murder mystery that didn't literally write the name of who, who killed them. But, I can see people fucking up. That's what I like. I just, I like watch meticulously as they like go through step by step of their plan. I'm just like, all right, who's going to fuck this up? Where's the weak point? Where is the fucking, where's the fucking break in the armor that Columbo's just going to fucking drill into with drops of water? That's a lot of what Columbo is. It is like Columbo very rarely at least, at least within like what what I have seen of Columbo, I only like the first season. What I've seen of Columbo, there is rarely a moment where he's like, "Man, I just do not know what to do," and then something miraculously comes on that reminds him. Oh wait, let me connect this train of thought. That did happen in the one I watched most recently, where a, where like a marine general, who was, like taking deals under the table to do like construction contracts. He murdered a guy who was who was in on him with the fucking scam and was about and was being investigated and was about to come clean murdered him in his house someone someone saw it happen but you know it was the 80s and she's a woman so everyone just said did you really or were you just drunk do you wear glasses this is all this other shit to the point where even the murderer gaslit her to the point where she started questioning her own what she actually saw oh I hate that shit and then started dating her Okay. Yeah, and then Columbo and then Columbo was just like, hey, let me take you to the exhibit honoring this man. Hey, look at all this shit. Isn't this cool? Hey, the general's here. I knew you'd be here. Hey, this is the gun you used to kill the guy, isn't it, you fucker? <laughs> Doesn't swear isn't isn't ever that aggressive. He is Yeah. Columbo is rarely aggressive. Yeah. He is a lot of the time just kind of soft spoken. Just just kind of like kind of like doing, you know, the fucking like East Coast Gosh G. Willikers vibe to him. Columbo I, is a congenial dude. Yeah. And the other thing I love about him and is a thing that is entirely about the fact that Peter Falk is the actor playing him. Whenever I watch any clips of Columbo, I'd always notice that one of his eyes doesn't move right. Like, like you'd have one eye, like looking off to the side, looking up, looking down, but then his other eye would like barely move and like, like it looked like it was compacted a bit, all kinds of shit. Turns out Peter Falk is a fake eye. He lost his he lost his like right eye to a disease when he was three, and now he just has a prosthetic eye in there, and that just kind of adds to Columbo because it's off putting. He is a guy who is at he is a guy who is equal parts congenial and off putting. Because it's like, hey, yeah, he is the nicest guy. He is, 
he is like genuinely interested in a lot of the shit that happens around him. He's genuinely interested in like people and the shit that the shit they have. But he also just has one eye that doesn't move. Doesn't blink. Well, does blink, but doesn't really move. Doesn't really reflect light right. There's kind of this dead glass eye that just kind of stays there, always looking in one direction. And it's great. It's just this like weird little thing that makes the character feel so much more to me. It's fantastic. Yeah, Columbo's fantastic. I love it. Anyway, continue on the thread. Uh, I also watched Knives Out. Oh, you finally watched that? Yes, I did. Yeah. It it's was great, great, isn't it? It was great. Uh, I really like Benoit Blanc as a detective. <laughs> Benoit Blanc is a fun character. Mainly because he very much isn't the other gentleman detectives. Like, like let, me, let me explain. Like, Hercule, Pro, Hercule Poirot is all right. He's a very good detective, but... The fact that he is like, hey, I am the world's greatest detective and I'm going to solve this murder, that very much takes me out of him as a character. Yeah, he is a very arrogant man. Yeah, meanwhile. You arrogant little frog. Well, he's Belgian. As people have, well, people. Yeah, he, spe- he speaks joke. French, but. It's a joke. It's a joke in the, in the, all the shows is people constantly assume that he's French. Yeah. When he's not. Nope. He's Belgian. Which did. Are there a lot of French-speaking Belgians? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about the world. But anyway. Benoit Blanc. He doesn't really have that arrogance about him. Like, he, he's mentioned... Like, he mentioned when he... When, uh, when discussing his, like, investigative philosophy... I can't remember the name of the book, but it's this, it's this really pretentious, shitty book that he even thinks is shitty, but the name of it he likes... It's like Gravity's Rainbow or some shit. Where where he explains that like like there is this arc to everything. And if you just follow the path laid out by the truth without bias without with with without with objectivity, you will eventually arrive at the terminus where this thing lands and that is the truth. He's not like I am a master of human I am a master of human psychology and understanding. I, I like study all these different weapons. I can do all this fucking amazing shit. My dick is no, amazing. I'm just walking along the road that had been laid out before me, and instead of getting distracted every five seconds, I stay on the path. Yeah. And then, well, son, the path has led me to your doorstep. It's almost Dirk Gently. It's almost holistic detective work. Do you know Dirk Gently, Cave? Yeah, I know Dirk Gently. Okay. For those who don't, for those who don't, Dirk Gently is a holistic detective made by the guy who made Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He is And he he solves crimes by just kind of wandering. Yeah. He never actually gets cases, just kind of takes cases. Racks up an exorbitant bill because he just kind of walks around doing whatever he wants. And because he believes in the interconnectedness of all things. Everything he is doing, regardless of how much it connects to the case, is him working on the case, because he'll eventually get to the answer. He's also mildly psychic. 
but he won't admit it. That's a, that's, a, that's a detail from the books that I love. Where he is straight up a real psychic. That he knows he's a psychic, but he will never admit it. Just, Fuck you, I'm not a psychic. That shit does, that's just not real. <laughs> Despite his first case being about a, like, transporting horse from an alien planet. His cases are weird. It's the guy who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide. He It gets weird. But Benoit Blanc, the way he describes his methodology is almost that like Dirk Gently, I'm just going to walk around and eventually figure out the truth. But it's more in line with like classic detectives because he, you know, does detective work. He talks to people. He asks them questions. He does investigative work. It's just, he does it while just kind of doing whatever. He is always working the case, but it's never like, I'm going to hunker down and like harshly examine all this evidence. I got a murder board up there. He's just going to kind of walk around the property where the crime happened, talk to people involved. And then eventually the truth will figure itself out. And it's also great because like in a Columbo, he's kind of the secondary character in knives out. The main character is Anna Darmus. The woman who is biologically incapable of telling a lie. Because when she lies, she throws up. Yep. <laughs> and it's something like that that actually like, kind of like helps ground the movie for me because a lot of the movie is kind of ridiculous, kind of off the wall. Not not like, you know, like blah, 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 everything's wild. But like, it is a bit much at times. But having that character be the extreme helps ground it and set the tone for the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, Anadarmus is great. The mystery itself is really fucking cool. And also really fucking sad. Because if they did nothing, everything would have been fine. Yeah. Because, yeah. For those who haven't seen Knives Out, it's going to be spoilers because, fuck it, it's been out for years. Uh, Knives Out is about this uh, author and his family. The author of a, like, series of very widely successful mystery novels. Uh, and it's his family just kind of all gathering together. Uh, and so it's his family and his nurse. His nurse is like the only person he interacts with on a daily basis that he likes. With the exception of maybe the housekeeper, but I don't know how often they interact. Because his family, being the family of an incredibly wealthy man, all suck ass. They're all played fantastically because it's a fucking all-star cast in this bitch. It's Jamie Lee Cur- Curtis, Tony Collette, uh, fucking... It's not Timothy Oliphant, but he kind of looks like him. I cannot remember his goddamn name to save my fucking life. Uh, Michael Shannon, that's his fucking name. You know, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Lakeith Stanfield's in there, too. Not as part of the family, but just around. He's always great to be around. But no, yeah, they're, it's all fucking great. And the family's all just a bunch of shitheads. We're all just like, yeah, dad's dead, but you know, we need to fucking move on and get his will and get the money, so give me my money. And he, but yeah, so like on the night of his of his birthday, I believe, he has the family all over. The family's all being shitheads to him. Every one of them has individually an argument with the, with the dad about something because he's largely been kind of cutting off the family, just like, you know, like, 
shearing off the dead weight. And he eventually kind of goes upstairs, kind of drunk, with his nurse, and they play Go. You know, why not? And then she goes to give him his medicine and just grabs stuff from the bag, injects him, and accidentally injects him with a shitload of morphine. So he's like, oh, I'm going to die. Fuck. Okay, well, hey, here's what you're going to do, nurse. And then sets up basically this perfect alibi for her to get out of the house. And then slits his own throat. Just so that he won't die because of what she did. Which, like, fuck, man, that is a way to go. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and so then Benoit Blanc comes in, hired by someone anonymously. And ends up taking a liking to Anna de Armas because Anna de Armas, she can't lie without vomiting. And so he's like, hey, you're my partner in crime in this. I'm going to fucking roll around with you and you're going to help me figure this out. And then it's just kind of her trying to. It's her trying to like figure things out while also trying to cover up her own involvement in the murder. Before we get to the end, and we learned that she didn't do anything wrong. If that guy hadn't killed himself, he would have been completely fine. Because what happened was Chris Evans, aka Ransom, one of his grandkids, switched the labels on her medicine. Like he 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 got like two injections: one a little bit of morphine, the other a drug that is needed for like a heart condition or some shit, some kind of medicine. And he switched the labels on him. She didn't look at the label. She she did it entirely by weight. Mm-hmm. Because she is a fucking she's a fucking trained nurse who's been doing this forever. It's all it's all just muscle memory. You just pick this up. Oh, that's not that's not the thing I need. Put that down, pick it up. And so she gave him the right medicine. He would have been fine. If they had just called the paramedics. Yeah. But he wanted to protect her license. Yeah, and then he slit his own throat. And then, yeah, Ransom has just been there the entire time, just like yucking it up, being just a massive asshole, and kind of playing everyone for fools, because he kind of got away with it for a while. (laughs) He, like, burnt down the fucking, uh, like, he burnt down, like, the uh, medical, uh, medical examiner's office. And... To, to like cover up the fact that there was all the morphine in his body because he assumed there was all the morphine in his body. Yep. But the report managed to get out. And by the end of the movie, they eventually get it. And it's like, oh, right. Right. Cool. Yeah. You did it, ransom. And the, the fucking awesome callback is like, none of my kids can tell the difference between a real knife and a prop knife. So he grabs a knife off the wall and tries to stab into the armist. And is like, oh, that was a prop knife. <laughs> Dumbass. That's yeah. great. Yeah. With his throne of knives. Yeah, he's just this, this massive and the fucking... the utter attitude of his family. His family are all shitheads. With kind of the exception of, like, the granddaughter, uh, the... Catherine Langford. Let's just say there were parts of this movie that I really just, like, couldn't watch because... Of the attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They all have very rich white people attitude. They they were trumpets. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. 
couple times where they gotten couple times where they like uh cut back to the night before and they had a drunken political debate where I believe Don Johnson is the actor's name. Yeah, Don Johnson. He just kept trying to call in and I was like, "Hey, you're one of the you're one of them Mexicans, right? Come on in here, give a, give your like pee on this." He wasn't southern. I gave him a southern accent because that's my go-to for talking about the kind of shit. No offense, Cave. Hmm. I was like, "Come in here, give me a pee on this. You're you're one of them illegals, right?" Oh no, he was like, he was like, "Hey, you came here legally, not like all these other illegals." Because again, they're shitheads. But yeah, it was great. Really surprisingly great, considering the last movie this guy did was the fucking Last Jedi. Ugh. As a director, he works a lot better with this material than he does with Star Wars. <laughs> and yeah, uh, Glass Onion, the next Knives Out movie, is going to be coming out uh, on Netflix in December. And to U.S. theaters in a couple weeks. Oh, so I will be able to see it. Yeah. I'll just wait till December, but fuck it, I'll, I'll be able to see it eventually. Yeah, and then finally... Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. This is a thing that I've tried to watch a couple times, but always ended up falling off of it. I swear I've heard of that. Yeah, I might have talked to you about it before. Uh, it is a alternate history fantasy series about the only two remaining English magicians. Yeah, I think it's set in like the 1800s, like 17, 1800s, I think. Uh, and in this world, magic is an objective reality. Magic has existed and people are capable of performing actual magical spells. However, proper English gentlemen do not cast spells. They merely discuss spells. Thus, Magic boring as hell. <laughs> thus, magic has not been actually cast in England in like 200 years. Until that is the uh, the uh, the Yorkshire Society of Magicians hears about a man by the name of Mister Norrell, who claims to be a practical caster casting magician, and so they fucking. T they say, hey, put your money where your mouth is to fucking prove it. And almost all of them sign a contract that says, if I am proven, if I am proven wrong, I will never again call myself a magician. I feel like Dr. Strange is just sitting in the background laughing at these guys. <laughs> yeah. And so then, uh, and so then almost everybody signs the contract with what, with the exception of one guy who's like, I fucking love magic, man. If I give this up, I'm going to have nothing in my life. I'll have nothing but hanging out with you losers. Yeah. And so the guy holding the contract is like, all right, fair enough. Head on in. Doesn't make him sign the contract. <laughs> if you had just asked, I would have said, okay. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and yeah. And so then Mr. Norrell makes every statue in this church come to life and fucking run around and do shit. Thus proving that there is an, this, that's proving, you know, hey, practical casting still exists in England. 
and he eventually like kind of works his way into uh the into like the war room because it's this is set during the time of the Napoleonic Wars. And it's like, hey, I can use this shit to like help the war effort. And mainly does it from like, you know, the back row where he's like, hey, I could do like scrying shit and get you intelligence. I can do this, that, and the other thing. Wata. Meanwhile, small small uh, fucking village somewhere else is a guy by the name of Jonathan Strange. Who's kind of a shithead. Feels more like Doctor Strange. Yeah, he was like the son of like a rich landowner who has never held the job. He's never followed through on anything. He's never committed himself to anything. He just kind of floated through life on his dad's money. <coughs> but his girlfriend, who he wants to be his fiance, is like, hey, grow the fuck up and maybe. Which, fair enough. Dude's a man-child. So, he ends up buying a spell from an old man he meets in a bush. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Who also had a run-in with uh, Mr. Norrell's uh, people, because Mr. Norrell has an assistant, and is said to serve the King of Crows. The King of Crows being like this ancient, like, mythical magician within English history. He's like, hey, the King of Crows is coming back, fuckers. There's a prophecy. Two English magicians will fucking be at the center of this. They'll be each other's weakness and strength. They'll fucking kill each other and do this other shit. There's, you know, big old prophecy that Strange and Nora are going to fucking butt heads and shit all over each other. So, buys a spell from Amanda Bush. And then successfully casts a spell. Just kind of on his first try by accident. Just like, yeah, we'll do this, this, this. Yeah, cool, it works. Wait a minute. Holy shit, it works. And then he then he fucking just falls hard into being a magician. Because he's actually really fucking good at it. Like, entirely self-taught. No books of magic. No formal training of any kind. He's able to summon a ghost. Just kind of on his own through trial and error. And then, yeah, it's about him kind of like Becoming more powerful, learning from Mr. Norrell, and then kind of realizing, oh, Mr. Norrell's a fucking pussy and doesn't actually have any initiative, just kind of wants to be, wants his way of magic to be the only way of magic, but I don't like his way of magic, so I'm going to do my own thing. And so, actually goes to the front lines of the Napoleonic War and does his magic to, like, build roads for the soldiers to travel across harsh lands, and takes out, I believe, a fleet of ships by summoning an army of sand horses. It's a lot of really cool shit. And it's interesting, like, seeing, like, these two diverging styles of magic and also seeing a world where magic is looked at as an objective reality and kind of a novelty. Because until, because, like, straight up, Norrell goes to see a, like, high-ranking, high-ranking government official. And he's like, hey, I'm here to offer my services as a magician to the, to the war. And he's like, and the guy's like, Oh, you're being serious about that. I thought this was a joke. Please get out of my house. And it isn't until Norrell brings his wife back from the dead before he starts taking magic seriously. And like he and like when he brought all those statues to life, rumor spread that he used his magic to wash all the clothes in the village that he was in. <laughs> okay. That's an option, I guess. 
Yeah, and that and that was how like the story spread and like the pictures in the paper were like were like artist renditions of Mr. Norrell, but he was wearing like a fucking Yen Sid wizard hat. He's like, oh yes, I'm here to cast magical spells. And there's like some fucking shithead poser being like be like, oh no, it's pronounced Mr. Norrell. And trust me, I am his voice. I am his I am his agent here in London to ready the stage for when he is ready to make his appearance. And then he actually meets Mr. Norrell and he's like, oh fuck, I need to worm my way into this man's heart. Let's fucking go, buddy. And it just turns up the pomp and circumstance and poofness to just Im- immaculate levels. There's a lot of kind of jokes about Englishness. Like the English way in English culture. And and then also and also there's like there's this massive other story happening where there's this fucking like elf that's like hanging around and doing weird fuck shit to do with that prophecy which also involves the woman that Norrell brought back to life and then also a slave that's there well slave he is i believe technically a slave but i sorry he, i believe he is literally a slave but technically he is a servant of the house because he's a black man serving a white guy in 19th century England. It's probably not probably not on paper a slave, but he's a slave. You know how it do. Yeah, I know how it do. Yeah. I am a black man who has lived most of his life learning, you know, yeah. history. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm a white guy, and I think he got paid fairly. You hope he got paid fairly. <laughs> I hope he got paid. Yeah. Yeah. I assume he had a room, but we never have shown it, so he could have lived in the shed. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, we don't want you sleeping in the main house. We don't want to get it dirty. You can serve in here. You can boy. Here. Anyway, go outside and wash yourself until you're as clean as your palms. Probably should have thought what? that one through before I said it. Uh, some black people have like lighter palms than the rest of their skin. Oh, God. Yeah, you should have thought that one through before you said it. Yeah, I should have. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, Jonathan Transformation Norrell. It's fun. It's a neat bit of alternate history fantasy shit with some solid effects and some solid casting and some solid uh, performances. Like, solid performances, solid writing. I enjoy it a lot. One day I hope to finish it. But anyway, I might also end up reading the book about it because there was a book that the show is based on. But yeah, that was it for that. I guess I can do it for this week then. Oh, uh, thank you for joining us. Assuming you're hearing this, and I didn't decide to not release this episode because that last joke made me uncomfortable. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> now nah, I'll probably still release it. If I don't end up releasing it by next week, Cave, yell at me. I, I will. I will yell. I'll yell at you either way, but. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for joining us. We'll be back. Probably. Until then, I'm dead. And I'm Cave. We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Have a wonderful time. A bit late on that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit tired. <laughs> I'm a bit tired. <laughs>